0: Welcome to the Rooted in Change
1: podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European cleantech champions and their solutions to tackle the climate crisis. Welcome back to a new year and a new season. I'm delighted to speak to Petri, the CEO of Solte Power, a carbon capture company from Finland. They develop building-integrated direct air capture technology, and we'll learn more about that space in just a second. Welcome, Petri.
0: Thanks, Jan.
1: As with all other guests, my first question is always: tell me a bit about your background. So, who are you? How did you end up founding Solitaire Power?
0: Yeah, my my, let's say the educational background is in the mechanical engineering, so it's a little bit far off from from what the company nowadays do. Right. Uh, I I used to do several kind of R and D related positions in different like three D printing, laser processing. Uh, worked in a shipyard as a development nope. engineer in a university and and then prior to this position i was a vice president of projects in a solar company we developed right. solar cells and and that kind of things even though i was handling the project side of things so pretty long journey in different positions Quite diverse, yeah yeah uh, and uh, i th- i think we have a good mix in the company at the moment even though i don't have a chemical background so, so uh, within that, as a company, it's a it's a good mix,
1: right? And since we just mentioned Saltair Power twice, what is it that you do? Because you just mentioned that you don't have the chemical background that's that's probably needed. Uh, so, what is it that you do? Uh,
0: so, we capture CO two from the building ventilation in order to do negative emissions in buildings, and at the same time. Uh, basically it's possible to reduce the fresh air ventilation if the regulation allows and and this way you can save also energy within the buildings so so kind of a green solution for buildings and making buildings as carbon sinks that that is what we do and i think it's important in the future because building owners want to be net zero so to be net zero you basically need to do negative emissions what we can uh, enable in buildings
1: right and how how do you do that so imagine that i i own a big building i think it's it's probably not something for residential areas right it's for commercial buildings i would assume so how do you go about
0: yeah it's it's more on the offices at the moment let's say Uh, of course you could apply this in an apartment buildings but i guess the gains are bigger in the offices and and how do we do it it's a chemical process called adsorption and uh, so basically we we've Filter the air, uh, and and it's chemical CO2 is chemically bound onto the material called sorbent that we have in the system, and and this way you can yeah remove CO2 and and uh, after we have captured the CO2 during the daytime, we release it uh, in the night time. So so then we start heating up the material, the, the adsorbent, and, and then you can kind of release the CO2 in pure form. And then we can take the CO2 out in a vacuum pump or with a vacuum pump. And we can even liquefy the CO2 if you want to transport it away. So, right, so
1: you can then continue to use it for for other purposes.
0: Yeah. Well, for example, we delivered last summer a unit for, uh, for uh, let's say, a German customer. They use mm-hmm. it on site, on their factory, as a raw material. So right. not in all cases you you transport it away, but depending on the application, you can or you cannot claim the the carbon negative uh, gain. Let's say, for example, this customer who utilizes it on their site is is utilizing it in an application where the CO2 eventually goes back into the atmosphere. So so there there is no kind of a climate positive actions there, even though it's basically replacing fossil uh based solution so it's like a circular economy in in a sense that application
1: yeah and uh, i mean in in that particular example i would assume that otherwise they would have taken as you said fossil-based fueled um or fossil-based co2 in order to run their application so from that perspective you're also contributing to that sustainable development
0: yeah exactly and, and and then there are different kind of applications like the if you want to make an office building a carbon sink you capture the co2 you transport it to a short distance to concrete manufacturing plant for example mm-hmm. where our partner would have the equipment to mineralize the co2 in the concrete process and that way the uh, co2 never gets back into the atmosphere right um, and, and and that's that's the solution that we are kind of suggesting uh Because you have all in all the cities of the world, you basically have concrete manufacturing. So, but of course, this is something so new that it's not really existing in the world yet. Mm. But, but we see that uh, in a few years' time, this starts to be something that the industry really is utilizing.
1: Gotcha. Why did you tackle the building space uh, with direct air capture overall? Because I I guess when most People hear about direct air capture, they think of probably the big uh, outliers such as Climeworks that you you know put big direct air capture facilities on on Iceland, for example. That's I think the image that one has in mind when thinking about direct air capture. But I guess your solution is is quite different, also in a way that it's hidden away within the building, so it's not as as visible, for example, as Climeworks Tech. So why direct air capture? in and for buildings
0: yeah it was w- when the company was founded 2016 uh, we made first uh, outdoor pilot unit uh, that was accomplished 2017 and when we calculated that uh, you need to spend quite a lot of energy as, as you do in director capture that the it's, it's really difficult to make the business case profitable because you are spending energy Basically, you're spending money, and what you get out of that is CO2, and, and <laughs> the value is not necessarily that high. And and then our uh, co-founder, Mr. Spannen, had another company doing indoor air purifiers, and, and we kind of combined these two ideas that, hey, right. what about if we do this in buildings and we, we help building owners save energy and make negative emissions, so we basically would be saving money instead of spending money to capture the CO2, so it would be a good one. And our uh, patents are uh, related to the building CO2 capture and utilization of CO2. So so we want to do a little bit different things than what the, let's say, 99 percent of other direct air capturing companies are doing, that they want to be remote location, capturing huge amounts of CO2 in single point. We want to do small modular uh, units within buildings and help building owners save energy. So, so we kind of want to do things a little bit different way.
1: Yeah, I understood that. And it's also quite interesting, right? Because I think that just the comparison that you did there, I guess the building sector is one of those areas that's highly untapped in terms of reducing CO2 emissions, right?
0: Yeah, uh, if, if you look on a global scale, uh, the buildings are related to 38% of global CO2 emissions. Basically, the CO2 emissions are mainly coming from from power plants where you generate the energy which you utilize in buildings that's like a 30% mm-hmm. and the additional 8% uh, percent is the construction sector and and with our solution you can reduce the energy consumption which helps to get to closer to net zero and when we make negative emissions uh, because the ventilation is running in buildings you can you can capture enough co2 to make buildings as carbon sinks that way and, and when you put the CO2 into concrete materials, you further reduce the kind of the construction side of right, uh, the CO2 emissions. There. So so in, in many, many ways, we are kind of lowering the CO2 emissions.
1: Gotcha. All right. And you already mentioned uh, the project in, in Germany. How far have you come with scaling your solution?
0: Yeah, actually we've, we've done six commercial units and and seventh one is coming up this year uh, in Germany, we de- we delivered an outdoor uh, co2 capture mm-hmm. uh, it was a containerized solution for an r d institute there and and they wanted to utilize the co2 in making e-fuels uh in dubai right. we had one unit uh, in the dubai world expo here in finland we have a couple of ones uh the, the first one was in Vasa. It's capturing CO2 from building ventilation and helping to reduce the, uh, the energy consumption. And, and then this the German customer, what we have here in, in, uh, close to Helsinki Vanta airport, they are utilizing the CO2 on site. Uh, there we also captured the CO2 from the building ventilation. So, so these are the cases. And the next case is, is going to be an office building in Denmark that we are turning into a carbon sink. And uh, we see that the this year we will probably have a couple of other projects also coming up, uh, but we want to focus in the buildings if if possible.
1: Yeah, gotcha. And what would we you say were the biggest challenges you had to overcome? So you mentioned that you know the company was founded in 2016, and so we're we're nearing uh, the 10 year uh, anniversary in two years. So what? What have been challenges on the way hurdles that you that you had to overcome?
0: I, I think the direct air capture is still a little bit uh, maybe it's the wrong word, controversial that uh, some people think that it's 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 expensive and uh, the the performance is not the high as high as it should be. Uh, but as the International Energy Agency uh, was saying that the, we need direct air capture among other technologies to capture CO2 from the air in order to turn back to climate change. So, so that was in the beginning that people were saying that it makes absolutely no sense to to do that kind of things. And of course, there's been uh, many technical hurdles that we have needed to solve. And and still, there's plenty of uh, of, of things that we can do technically to make the system more energy efficient cheaper and smaller and i think many many other direct air capture companies are doing doing same same things to to further uh kind of make the systems better and i think a good analogy is in the solar business that uh, solar panels in the 90s quite expensive with basically no payback but look at them now it's uh, it's a yeah. it's, uh, kind of that you can calculate immediately and and get a payback in in uh, in good time.
1: And it's uh, just staying on that analogy. It's quite interesting how solar panels have become so mainstream. Um, yeah. So being from Germany, I remember sort of the first wave of, of solar panels that came in the nineties, and then the early two thousands, and then sort of there was the dip, and then it really started to take off in the uh, in the first decade of the second decade of the 2000s. Um, and now you can see them basically everywhere. I think last year was the all-time high in terms of installation. I think that it's staying in that analogy for a direct air capture. And um, that will be quite interesting to see how that technology becomes mainstream. And I guess then that would also be your answer in, in response to saying to the criticism that direct air capture is still quite expensive, right? Because a, a number of people, especially sort of for the uh, single-point direct air capture technologies are criticizing or are questioning whether they will will be at one point price competitive uh, to really uh, have a sound business case. What's your view on that?
0: Uh, yeah, the price point will be there. It will just take a little bit of time. But then then if you think about what's the alternative, I mean that if you want, need to Make negative emissions in order to reach net zero. There's no other technical means to do that. Of course, there's like a biochar, and uh, you can do forestation. But the uh, kind of the what's the what what's the time that those solutions are kind of valid for? For example, forestation, the the durability is like I don't know twenty years. Do you buy the same credits in twenty years again? Probably not. So that's that's also something that we need carbon negative solutions. And and I, of course, believe that that's a direct capture is one of those in, in the future that we need, along with many others. And of course, nature is helping. Uh, so so I would say that, behold, <laughs> it, it will be there. Uh, I myself was in the early 2000s saying that wind power, solar power ain't going to do <laughs> Nothing in the future, but uh, they they've gone come so long way, and I think the same will happen for the darker capture. That technology just keeps on evolving, and and the price will come down. Uh, but uh, of course, it will take its time, and and if somebody is paying higher money, then then the price will stay high. But uh, when there are more companies to provide such a solution, uh, it will it will be uh, kind of a something that will really evolve and and with our solution when you can make negative emissions in buildings and save energy that's help that's going to help in, in getting the uh, kind of a profitability there
1: yeah that's definitely helping the business case right to not just say you know you're you have the c2 footprint but also the further energy efficiency gains Um, and i remember that there's also the the software benefits right of improved Air quality to leads to higher efficiency in in work stuff or higher performance, uh, so that's also something that is is interesting I guess for people operating buildings.
0: Yeah, that's uh, we we get from time to time questions that could you deliver a solution that uh, we could drive down the CO two level really low in buildings, and and that is of course what we can do. But then, then, then you need to kind of pick one. You cannot get all the benefits. I mean that if you want right. to save energy, you need to reduce the ventilation, and and this way we cannot necessarily improve the indoor air. We can keep it at the same level and get the energy gain benefit, or then we can do that. Uh, we um uh, we improve the indoor air. Like maybe pre-COVID, people were in full meeting rooms full of people, and and uh, then you can really feel that. Bad indoor air and high CO two levels that you cannot really do the best performance that you you normally can and and there we can come and help but it's really how would I say challenging to put the value on that that what's the value people being a little bit I wouldn't say smarter but uh, higher performing because we c- we cannot make people smarter we can we can just yeah, not not re- yet at least <laughs> we can just regain the uh, the CO two effect. So, so um, uh, but if we think about IT companies having a lot of programmers, for example, and, and, and when they do programming and if they can have a, this flow state of mind and just coding like four hours in a row, instead of going and getting getting more coffee every 10 minutes, you can you can see a clear difference. So. But it's a little bit softer kind of thing and additional benefit nowadays, I, w- I would say. But I think in the future, it could be something that uh, that people do want to kind of have in their office place.
1: Yeah, or at least sort of from a more holistic perspective on you know ESG criteria, I think that social aspect of helping people have a healthier work-life balance also. Because if you look at it from an opposite way, um, you could also say if if we stay on that example with a programmer, that by increasing by or by allowing them to be more performant, they can get the job done in less time, therefore they could go home earlier and enjoy that you know, time with family and so on. So I think this there's two sides to it. Um, and I think that's quite interesting that, Tag can have those those multiple benefits. You described the energy efficiency. You described how it lowers the the CO two emissions, and then also the the social side of things. That's quite interesting because that I feel you have less, for example, with solar panels on a roof. Like that, there is that benefit as well, uh, but it's not as as tangible as removing CO two from the air.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So. W- we already talked a bit about this year what would you say are the big plans for the future so you know if, if we talk again in three or five years from now how will solar power look like what's what's the vision
0: um how, how we see things is that uh, like the cars on the roads nowadays there's no cars basically without catalytic converter on the road uh, at least if, if it's a petrol engine so we see that in in many of the buildings in the future, we will see direct air capture solution. Uh, it might not be always ours. There could be other companies also, even right. though we have a pretty good patents. Uh, but, but still, that is what we see, maybe not yet in three to five years' time. But, uh, but as, as this company, I see that we are a technology company providing services for global companies offering HVAC solutions, for example. So, so that we are growing together with those partners and, and, uh, we kind of have a symbiosis that we, we provide the technology and these other companies doing the sales and installation. That is, that is what I see. And, and, uh, let's say in five years time, we could be selling this as a service. So then, then the, our customer doesn't need to buy the unit. Actually, they just kind of buy the energy efficiency as a service together with carbon credits. So we handle the operation of the system and we promise some level of uh, uh, energy efficiency. Plus we kind of give back the building owner, the carbon credits, at least major share of those. So we could also get recurring revenue with our partners. So that's 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 how I see on a longer term and, and let's say in three to five years time.
1: That's quite an interesting shift from sort of being the supplier at the moment and i guess then someone else operates the the technology on site to sort of owning the full value chain and making it also less capital intensive for than your customers right because then they don't really have to pay anything in in terms of capex and upfront investment but rather have that ongoing service fee for uh, well clean air and carbon negative buildings
0: yeah, you, you could see uh, a different kind of analogy there in in if you think about a single office building, uh, how they take care of the garbage, for example. So so there's a company that brings on the the, uh, the containers on the backside of the building and then just the build, people inside the building, they are just throwing the trash away. And there's a company that takes the trash to dump site and there's a company that handles the trash i mean sorts autos whatever they do there so we just want to kind of a, have a similar kind of a business model that as a service this is possible and and then then the customer most probably the building owner doesn't want to have a high COPEX on their building so that's why as a service is a good one and i also see that the tenants they they value the if the building is acting as a carbon sink that hey we want to be in a building that is carbon net zero instead of a building that emits, well, in in, in theory emits CO2 because the, the, the tenants may have uh, uh, already CO2 net zero operations in their own business, but they also want to have that in the building. So it could be an advantage for the building owner in the future, but they don't have people to do that kind of things. So that's why they want to buy it as a service. So then yeah. basically everybody is winning.
1: Nice, and do you see that then in newly constructed buildings, or will it continue to be mostly retrofitted? Because I guess that's the majority of buildings that that exists now, right? The, the share of new buildings is is always going to be less than the existing ones.
0: Yeah, it, it, what I've heard is that by twenty fifty, humankind will build another set of buildings. What we have currently, so there's a lot of construction ongoing, and I think the the um, the regulation is setting higher limits for the buildings to be more energy efficient, more closer to net zero and so on. So this uh, this existing, oh, sorry, the construction business is going to be, of course, a business also, but I still think the retrofits will be the bigger ones because there's a lot of uh, buildings out there that need to be taken into net zero. I've, I've heard from many real estate investors that they want to be in net zero by 2030 or something like that. And if you think about uh, real estate, uh, six years or five years, is a really short time. So so there is a demand for such a solutions uh, as long as the price is right. And, and that's where we are headed at.
1: Looking back at sort of the, the way you also described your, your shifting business model, I would assume that that's going to be quite capital intensive for you uh, to to finance all that right so i would assume that you have big and ambitious growth plans for the future to turn that from project solution business where you supply the tech to well as a service and that's going to be a, a big shift what's what's your view on that
0: yeah of course it's going to be a big shift but uh what i've been talking to let's say banks and this kind of places is- if we can get like 100 deals for example uh there are banks which can put money on on this business if we have a good contracts with the customers and and of course it depends on a customer that if there's a big IT global IT company and they they make a contract for 5 years bank believes the case much easier than the, if we have a small Right. S- SME here in in La Peranda where we are located yeah and and they want to have it for five years so so it depends also on the customer whether it's bankable or not but I I think the capital is not the challenge when when this starts to scale but uh but of course uh it's not it's not that easy always but I think together with a big partner that is going to be much much easier and and when when there is demand, the, uh, the business starts to pick up for sure
1: yeah then just maybe before we turn into uh your personal side of uh, the vision again how do you see the the changed landscape so from my point of view there was a a big appetite for clean technologies uh, to say look that they're really going to change everything help us with the transition to net zero in Europe, you know, there was the European Green Deal and so on. Uh, and then we've seen the Russian war in Ukraine, energy prices spiked again, sort of the shift to green technologies was was spurred there because you could see that fossil-based solutions were not price competitive anymore because of the higher uh, prices for oil and gas as well. But now, sort of in the, in the recent year, as we've also seen, inflation in europe and slower economic growth while interest rates have increased sort of that appetite somehow has has slowed down a bit what's what's your view on the ecosystem in in general
0: yeah you're you're quite right the price of money is high at the moment so interest Mm. rates are high and i think many companies are taking a really close look on the uh, payback times and these kind of things So maybe there's a delay of a couple of years in in deploying all sorts of uh, uh, green solutions. Uh, But still, I'm pretty confident that things are moving the right way. It will just take time uh, to to really grow. But uh, what, what, for example, the COVID did for our company was that we had like an extra one year to kind of develop the technology. And and we utilize that. So we did a lot of basic R and D work, making uh, uh, small systems to see how they work and and so on. And and that's what we are also doing at the moment. That that uh, we we want to make the system even better. Uh, we just had like a couple of years of delivering those units that we have delivered, and and it's taking a lot of resources when you are doing project work, which not. It, which is not always the best best thing to do, but uh, that is something that you need to do on a startup. That you need to show the traction that there there is customers, they are willing to pay, and there is equipment that works because that's that's always something that uh, uh, people have a hard time believing that do they work? Uh, but it's easy to show that hey, we can go there and see how it works and so on.
1: Yeah, especially when it's something quite mind boggling that you haven't really seen anywhere before, right? It, we, that brings us back to the beginning of the conversation where we said, look, direct air capture is probably a term that Clanworks and others have, have coined almost. And you think of direct air capture as a single point, direct air capture somewhere on an island, remote energy sources, you know, um, geothermal powered and so on, and definitely not in the building. So I think just proving your approach and proving your tech and, on different scales and the economic feasibility and then starting to see the traction, as you mentioned, you know, customers in Germany and Finland and Denmark, I think that those are proof points that will make your lives definitely easier in the future.
0: Yeah, one one thing, what, what I probably forgot to mention is that the building software also really good stability of environment for us because here in Finland, the last couple of weeks been like minus 22 degrees Celsius and it's been really, really cold. So if you put direct air capture outside, it will freeze out, or if you go to Dubai in the summer, it could be that it's so hot that since the temperature swing-based uh, technology is there, uh, we we lose some performance in the high high temperature areas. But in buildings, it's like plus twenty always. So and and fairly clean air. Uh, there's no sand flying or anything. So so that also gives a good synergy for our systems.
1: Gotcha. Well then. The the final question that I have for you today um brings us back to to you. We started the interview with sort of your background and where you come from. So also looking at sort of we, we talked about the ecosystem, the challenges that, that we face now in the in the climate tech space. What is it that you that gets you up in the morning and keeps you motivated to run and scale the company?
0: Yeah, I think uh, all the all the fascinating things that what we are doing here every day. Uh, there is sometimes when I wake up in the morning and and think about that. Hey, today we are doing this and today we are doing that. So all the new things are really really exciting. Uh, of course, having a meeting with potential customer and they they being so super excited is also giving energy to me to do the things that uh, that kind of believing more on on the thing that we do that. Somebody else is also valuing what what we do, so that that's the kind of the driving force. And without that, I think I would I wouldn't be here. Uh, but it's been it's been amazing four and a half years to to do things that are how do I say something that no one else is is doing at the moment, or let's say that like Climeworks and others are doing direct air capture, but we are doing it a little bit different way. So it's it's something that uh, no one else is actually doing exactly the same what we are doing.
1: Yeah, you're sort of opening a whole new frontier and a whole new space. And so I think that's very interesting to see. And um, yeah, it, it sounds really promising. So uh, fingers crossed that um, all all goes well for you. And then in three, two, well, or maybe in five years, we'll we'll speak again here on the podcast, and uh, we can look at the the as a service business and how much you've scaled and how much CO2 you're remo- removing from buildings every day i think that'd be lovely
0: yeah it would be really great to to be able to tell you what we've been up to for the last 5 years and showing showing how the business is going uh, that's uh that's the beauty of startups that you never know what's what's going to happen and uh, I, I think that's part of the excitement also that the, why why people want to do new things and uh, uh yeah, and, and there are like serial entrepreneurs who do a little bit stint of one company and then another one and then another one. So there's the continuous thrill of of new things.
1: And I guess just to bring us home here, I think especially that period when you're just about to to scale or when you are scaling, that's the really exciting part. Um because obviously before you really put in a lot of hard work in approving the tech, getting those with customers, that's Really tough, and sometimes I guess not too too satisfying because you don't really earn the fruit of everything that you've put out there. Um, but that moment where it really kicks in and where really things are taking off, you—that's the exciting part. And then I guess what you've also just described is that for serial entrepreneurs, once the company is up and running and um, has scale, you know, it's, it's a big business, then they sort of lose that interest in or not lose, but then they shift to new adventures and um leave running the day-to-day operations then to someone else. Um so I think that's that's a really exciting path that you're on right now to really um yeah well to really to really scale deliver that technology globally. Exactly. Well best of luck with that Petri thank you so much for for making the time. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Yeah thanks for the invitation. Bye.